Welcome to Eurodal University with Jeff Snyder, the head of global research for Alhambra Partners. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and we're going to be talking about swap spreads, swap spreads relative to treasury yields. Now, they're a very important measure of what's happening in the monetary system, specifically how much capacity banks have on their balance sheet to create more money for the world economy. And Jeff Snyder just wrote an article on the 18th of February, 2022, that was titled, The Money All Agrees, Taper Rejection Meets Policy Error Error. Now, ladies and gentlemen, just hold on. I'm going to read the first few sentences from this article because I thought it was very good just to set the stage. Quote from Jeff, balance sheet capacity as an intangible monetary property is the biggest motivating factor behind changes in or to the offshore shadow ledger money reserve system, the euro dollar. Since it is a distributed ledger shared amongst and kept by the biggest bank global banking cabal, its members' ability to expand their own individual balance sheets contributes to the overall increase in availability of the euro dollar as reserve currency. Or, contrarily, contraction in those balance sheets squeezes the vitality out of the global economy and occasionally financial markets. Jeff, interest rate swaps, balance sheet capacity, what should we know heading into this discussion? Well, the basics are interest rate swaps or a fixed for floating interest rate swap amongst financial counterparties in particular, where one pays a floating rate over time and the other gets a fixed rate over time. And there's many various reasons why that happens. In the textbook, they usually present a case to you where a corporation is trying to change its debt structure, when in reality, this is mostly about controlling balance sheet factors and hedging. So it's deeply tied to how the financial system operates in terms of risk control. And risk control, especially as it relates to volatility or interest rate volatility, is an important element of balance sheet capacity. Because in a highly volatile environment, assets do one thing, which is an anathema to efficient balance sheet operation. So we can tie all these things together where balance sheet capacity is the real secret sauce behind the money in the world, uh, the reserve currency, because balance sheet capacity is that ledger. Since this is a ledger money system where we're just keeping track of who owes what, expansion in that ledger is essentially the expansion in, in bank balance sheets across the entire ledger system. So we're getting a deep fundamental look at part of what may be going on with balance sheet capacity, therefore ledger money, and we're making some what we believe are reasonable inferences about what happens in real time with those based on the behavior of these particular market prices. Another great quote from you that describes all that. You wrote it several years ago. You reprinted in this article, quote, quite simply, it takes some financial institutions balance sheet capacity to take on an interest rate swap. If balance sheet capacity is systemically impaired, as in a crisis, or in a crisis that doesn't really end, then to get dealers to give up their precious balance sheet capacity and engage on the other side of a swap, someone would have to pay a hefty premium to make it worth it for the dealer to do so. Jeff, let's pull up a graph. We're going to be looking at the 30-year swap spread. Now, there's a five-year and a 10-year. Tell us about the 30 year and maybe how it relates to the five and 10 and what we see on this chart that goes all the way back to 2007 to present day. 
Well, what we're looking at and what we're talking about in terms of how do we assess whether dealers are demanding a huge premium to engage in these derivative contracts, we take the price of the swap and compare it to its same maturity U.S. Treasury. And that's essentially, we're trying to decompose a swap quote into its risk-free component and then the additional risk on top of it to give us a sense of what the market is thinking systemically about balance sheet capacity, health, and financial well-being of the entire system. And what we saw in 2007 and 2008, growing financial crisis, monetary crisis throughout the entire world was that eventually, as we got into the worst parts of it, these spreads, the quoted price of the fixed leg part of the interest rate swap compared to the US Treasury, nominal U.S. Treasury yield, the spread between those two began to narrow, 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 which meant that the dealers on the other side of these transactions were demanding more and more premiums to engage in that swap, which given the conditions of the time, we know that meant that dealers were unwilling to engage in what was a central key part of the fixed income marketplace without being highly compensated to do so. And that got completely out of whack in October and November and December 2008, when for the first time, the 30-year swap spread went negative, which as we've, I think we've talked about this before, there were all sorts of stories that, you know, this was impossible. It could never possibly, this could not happen. How could a swap price go below the nominal U.S. Treasury? That would mean the market is thinking the U.S. government and the Treasury instrument itself are a higher risk than the interest rate swap and the financial counterparty on the other side of it who is experiencing this gross monetary panic. And so this negative swap spread, the fact that the swap price was below the nominal yield on the U.S. Treasury, didn't actually mean that. It was actually literal nonsense. What it was telling us was that the system was experiencing such a spasm of failure such a spasm, a shortage of balance sheet capacity that the whole system, the whole market had been turned upside down where we could no longer readily compare swap prices to the U.S. Treasury. So the negative swap spread was an indication this crisis had reached such massive proportions it was affecting fundamental or what we thought were fundamental relationships. And if you take a look at this chart, ladies and gentlemen, you can see that indeed there were several global or regional dollar shortages that have taken place since 2007, 2009. We all know about the global financial crisis and the more recent COVID crisis. We often forget about the European sovereign debt crisis and what was happening in China in 2014. And you can see it happening here, reflation and then ratcheting down. Jeff. Yeah, yes. and that's, that goes along with what we're saying about being a useful measure of balance sheet capacity and therefore something deeply fundamental about the overall ledger money, you know, euro dollar system as a whole. Because as you just said, Emil, the ups and downs are not random. These are not random fluctuations. But when we see swap spreads, for example, start to decompress, which means they come back toward normal. You know, the 30-year swap spread becomes less negative. The 10-year swap spread becomes positive again. The five-year, a little bit more than that. When they're rising and decompressing, that correlates exactly with periods of reflation. We see the same thing in treasury yields. We see the same thing in the U.S. dollar falling, for example. We see a number of financial indications that tell us that what swap spreads are indicating is actually happening in the marketplace, in the real economy. Economic growth around the world tends to rise a little bit during these reflationary periods. And then... They turn around rather than go back to normal. Swap spreads have stayed low ever since 2008. They've never normalized. They've never come close to normalizing. And then these ups and downs where swap spreads compress all over again, 
which tells us that mm, dealer capacity is probably tightening up and that there's less money available in the, in the system. Therefore, that's probably going to be a period of substandard economic growth, even in the already sub substandard systemic condition. So swap spreads are a key indicator tying all of these things together, economy, reflation, dollar shortages, balance sheet capacity, ledger money. They're, they're very good and very grounded fundamental property of the entire system as it actually is. Now, we were looking at the 30-year swap spread, and we could see that since we reached the nadir when we were in the depths of financial Hades in March of 2020, we have been rising towards the zero mark, right? Okay, now we see a similar thing on the 10-year, that it's heading up-ish, maybe not as enthusiastically as the 30, but you could say it's heading up-ish. What about the five-year? What do you make of this difference between these three different tenors? The five-year, not too enthusiastic at all. Yeah, the fact that you're saying you're calling it up-ish is already <laughs> a red flag. Yeah. Because if we're in an inflationary environment, especially later 2021, 2022, that's going to require the Fed to conduct aggressive series of rate hikes, up-ish, it should not be up-ish. It should, it should be straight up, right? Because one of the other inputs into a swap spread price is short-term interest rates because we're fixed for floating. It's a fundamental part of the interest rate swap itself. And if the market was believing and the market was starting to price aggressive rate hikes that were going to stick around for any length of time, you would expect these swap spreads to rise precipitously, at least get somewhere back toward where they were in the pre-crisis era as a first step. But no, <laughs> your language, Emil, uppish. The fact that they're kind of, they're not as low as they were in 2020, but they're not really rising. And then tied to a couple of periods along the way last year, they stopped rising altogether and have in fact compressed. That is a pretty big warning sign that the market is not pricing aggressive series of rate hikes. Or if there is an aggressive series of rate hikes, they're probably not going to stick around very long. And on the other side of that isn't just rate hikes, but also balance sheet capacity where the swap spreads are telling us that maybe balance sheet capacity hasn't really changed all that much since the lows in 2020. And as you like to point out all the time, Emil, we stack these reflationary periods one after another. You can see how they get worse and lower and lower and lower every time. Assuming the swap spreads don't go any farther, further, any more uh, decompressing from here, this would be far less than it would have been the, the top in 2018, which is far less than it had been at the top in 2013, where at least in 2013, the 30-year spread turned positive for a little while. We're not even really close to that this time around. So it's telling us something fundamental about rate hikes, their ability to stick, as well as balance sheet capacity. And those two things are actually tied together too, because if balance sheet capacity is restricted, there isn't going to be money. And so there's really no reason for rate hikes. And if the Fed does rate hikes when there is no money, they're going to likely stop hiking rates and have to turn around like 2018 or Go back to 2005 and 2006. Jeff, I have three of your last paragraphs here highlighted that I want to read them to the audience. Then in a follow-up article, I have four more paragraphs highlighted <laughs> that I want to read to you and the audience. But really what that means is that the audience should check these two articles out. The one I haven't mentioned yet is called The Real Money Doesn't Spread Inflation. That was posted on the 21st of February, 2022. That one is more background educational, takes us back in time to when this first all went south, literally south. Jeff, final takeaways for people to keep in mind. Anything more that you need to add for swap spreads? 
The only thing I would add is that, uh, and the reason I wrote the first article was to say that Eurodollar futures inverted December 1st, swap spreads started compressing December 1st. It's not one thing or another. When we look at Eurodollar futures as a flat treasury curve, it's not just one. One of those things like, you know, the Eurodollar futures inversion by itself, that would be a big warning. But when you see it corroborated by all these other different parts of the credit markets and the monetary system, and then you, you understand what these things are telling you, you really have a better appreciation for, as well as more confidence in these signals that are being sent by these deep fundamental, it's the monetary system itself telling you what's going on. And so in terms of swap spreads, euro dollar futures, flattening yield curve, all these things are consistent. All these things are correlated. All of these things are corroborated. It's the monetary system telling you the Fed is wrong. There is no inflation and that the balance of risks are tilting in the exact opposite direction. So Swap spreads, zero dollar futures, all these indications, they're very simple to interpret and understand once you realize what you're looking at, what they're telling. Thank you, Jeff. 